Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Fighting on Film podcast, the podcast all about classic and obscure war movies. From the Normandy landings to the days of chivalry and swords, if it's been captured on film, we're going to try and cover it. I'm Robbie of RM Military History. I'm Matthew Moss of Historical Firearms and the Armourer's Bench. Welcome back to another year of fighting on film. Happy 2023 to you all, and we hope you had a wonderful new year. And we also want to thank everyone who supported our fundraiser at War Eagles Care over Christmas, or if you bought a T-shirt, you know, everyone who supported the pod over the Christmas period. It was amazing. Um, if you listened to our best of episode a couple of weeks ago, we already thanked you there. But we're doing it again because we just we're just so over the moon with the with the response, Matt. 150 pounds did we raise in the end? 150 pounds, yeah. Fantastic amount of money raised for crisis. Amazing. I think we smashed our target two years in a row, which is amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So we thought kick off the year let's not do a, a quote-unquote serious war film let's do something a bit more lighter you know kick the gear off a bit more fun and we thought we'd choose the 2008 vietnam war parody comedy hybrid tropic thunder how do you describe this movie so it's hard I, isn't it it's it's a it's a movie about the making of a movie which is a Vietnam War movie based on a book written by a Vietnam War veteran who turns out, spoilers, isn't actually a Vietnam War veteran. Um, and then the film then becomes a making of documentary, which wins a fake Oscar. Pretty much. There's a lot going on. And There's a lot we'll, going it'll, on. It will become clearer as we go in. So maybe if we start production this week, it might clear some things up. Who knows? That's probably the best best way of doing it, yeah. Yeah. So uh, I'm on production for the first time this year, and the film's directed by Ben Stiller. Now, his previous directing credits, because uh, we're going to mention Ben Stiller twice, so I'm just going to talk about his directing here, because Matt will talk about his acting. Mm-hmm. Um, so his previous two directing credits before this was The Cable Guy, in, I think it was 96, 97, with uh, Jim Carrey. 
and uh oh crikey i always forget that actor's name who's ferris bueller um Matthew oh, um yeah there you go. yeah that's a good film i found that was quite funny uh the table guy and then zoolander and tropic thunder is his third directing role mm-hmm. uh, it was co-written by ben stiller along with justin Theroux, who's an actor and filmmaker and a distant cousin of louis Theroux, and is. ethan cohen uh, Stiller had the idea for the film while working on Empire of the Sun in 1987 because um, he had friends go and do the boot camp for Platoon. And him and uh, Theroux over many a, a few years were trying to create this film about actors who went on a boot camp for a war film and ended up getting PTSD and thinking they were in the military, thinking they were <laughs> in like a military situation. Um, but then that they kind of revised it over the years. And it finally... PTSD. Yeah, that's we'll come it. back to that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then it became uh, a more of a parody on the Hollywood studio system itself and self-absorbed actors that just so happened to be on the set of a big Hollywood war movie. So there's a lot going on. And as Matt mentioned previously, the movie within a movie of Tropic Thunder lampoons and parodies Hollywood's war films um, and war more like and more so the, the sort of Vietnam boom of the 80s war movies, um, with Tropic Thunder being based on a memoir by the character for Leif Tayback, um, in the same vein as like We Were Soldiers and Film War Jacket, all being based on best-selling war memoirs, which I always think was quite funny. More on that later in the Alley Tally. Uh, the film was greenlit in 2006, distributed by DreamWorks. It's filmed on the Hawaiian island of uh, Kauai, or Kauai, I don't know how you pronounce that one. You're doing uh, a great job, though. I Carry know, on. right? Uh, which has also served on location uh, for blockbusters such as 1993's Jurassic Park and was used in the opening shot of the MASH TV series, which I, I was quite interested in. Wow, is okay. Interesting to learn. Uh, and the film had a six-month pre-production uh, with bespoke sets being film, uh, being built. And the filming started in July 20, uh, July 2007 and lasted 13 weeks. And the opening hot LZ sequence took three weeks to shoot on his own, uh, which is, you know, that's a big part of the film. No. Not surprising. Uh, Dale Dye's uh, advisory company, Warriors Inc., were brought in to help train the actors up and do the action sequences. And Dye served as the film's military technical advisor, as he had done on platoons. I think there's a nice link there, getting Mm. Dye in. Um, And he said this about working on the film. Uh, Stiller, sorry, Ben Stiller said this about working with Dye. He gave me a lot of feedback on the experiences that he'd taking actors out into the jungle and a lot of stuff that comes out of what he told me, like going on platoon and taking the guys out on an overnight and Oliver Stone telling him to scare the shit out of the actors. So it was an amalgamation of all those stories, input from friends, and then just figuring out what we wanted to do for the story in the movie. Uh, The cinematographer is John Toll, who's a two-time Oscar winner for 1995's Legend of the Fall and then 1996's Braveheart. His other credits oh, include wow. The Thin Red Line, which he was also nominated for Best Cinematography Oscar in 1998. And he also works on The Last Samurai and Iron Man 3. And he really brings like some really credible like level of yeah. filmmaking to this, <laughs> this movie. Like, I'm not saying no one else did, but to get John Tull, an Oscar winner, two-time Oscar mm-hmm. winner, to shoot your movie... I think it just gives this movie just a little bit more pizzazz. Just like the idea. I oh, mean, of course, it, yeah. It must yeah. have been the idea that did it for him. It really is. And uh, look, I watched, I've got the Blu-ray of it, and I watched a lot of the special features, and just seeing how, how like, sort of respectful Ben Stiller and the rest of the, the production crew were to his process. You know, he'd, he'd go out and take set photos. He'd come in with, like, charts about lighting, things like that. So he was really, really taking it very seriously, and it, it really shows. Um, then we have the music by Theodore Shapiro, 
uh, he's a frequent collaborator on uh, Stiller films. He was he did the scores for Along Came Polly, Dodgeball, and the Starsky and Hutch reboot. Um, had a budget of 97 million, and the film grossed 195 million, so it was quite a success back in the day. And it was released on the August 13th, 2008, in America, and September the 19th in the UK. And I saw it the week of release when I was 15 at the Bromley Odeon, which makes me feel very <laughs> old. <laughs> nice. Nice. I, I remember being really excited for this because I'll talk about it more later, but I, the film that I went to see wasn't necessarily the film I thought I was going to see because I wasn't as big of a movie buff back then. Yeah. But this film really, it really resonated with me. And I think it it stuck with me for all these years because it was just so funny. Like I'd never laughed at a cinema that much before, I don't think. Um, but more about that later. Um, and the film was well received and it was controversial on its release. And um, we can't do an episode about the Tropic Thunder without addressing some of the controversy before we move on. Um, so there was a coalition of disability advocacy groups that derided the film's portrayal of disability, with the Tug Speedman film uh, Simple Jack being seen as a crass and demeaning representation. And I think, you know, they were founded in their, you know, in their accusations. And, yeah, they, and they yeah. even picketed the premiere. Um, Ethan Cohen, one of the co-writers, defended the film by saying some people have taken this as making fun of handicapped people, but we're really trying to make fun of the actors who use material for this fodder for acclaim. And I know the film does do that and understand, but I can also see why people were pissed off. Yeah, totally. I it's the same, it's the same rationale as doing the blackface, isn't it? It's yes. it's mockery of the the actors that have done um roles that are mentally disabled mm, um mm. and you even get that i mean whole we probably are going to say the word Danny retard Junior. later on yes. when we discuss certain scenes so apologies for that if it offends you say yeah, that it's now. contextual it's not the opinions of me and Matt, yeah. obviously um but I, I yeah it's i can see the argument either way you can you can definitely say it's lampooning those kind of actors that are so method that they go too far into either blackface or playing a disabled role um and there's also there's also a little bit of controversy around um, Tom Cruise's character. Um, Liz, yes, I did read up um, on the Jew face uh, accusations. Yeah, yeah. So there's, there's, he's 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 quite clearly like a Jewish um, film exec producer. Um, mm. And and it, there's the same. I don't know whether you can make the same arguments for it being a lampooning of actors portraying that because no actor has portrayed that. Yes. It's more of a straight case of Tom Cruise doing a bit. Um, mm. And of course, still is Jewish and he found it acceptable to do. Yeah. Um, and Cruise has said on record that he, he just based it on people he'd met and he wanted certain physical characteristics mm. to well, he was, he, remove him from the role. Yeah. Remove, he also like, made... Oh, it's Tom Cruise. They wanted, yeah. You wanted to try and disconnect the audience from it being him, I think. No, I think but, you're right. Again. Yeah. And I think the character of Grossman is loosely looks like one of the film's producers as well. So I think that might have been a little oh, right, joke okay. between mm. them. Because um, when when Stiller said that on the is on a special feature, and then the guy comes on and does like a VT, and you're like, oh okay, I see they got the beard from the guy. Okay, they got the glasses from him. You can sort of see it. Um, yeah. However, if that you know if that absolves it, I don't know. Um, I think that's it's not for us to judge, really. I mean, no. Of course I, not. We're not from any of these um, backgrounds, so we no, can't. No, we can't comment but, you know, on. We're from... two white boys doing a podcast. Yeah. Crikey, <laughs> you know, how many of them are there? 
Anyway, <laughs> so as we mentioned, you know, Robert Downey Jr.'s use of blackface drew heavy criticism as well. I know Downey Jr. was defending himself, um, taking on the role. Um, and he said it was about showing how absurd it was, um, how that these these big actors decide to do these roles that are questionable. Yeah. Um, and Kirk Lazarus the pigment was like... augmentation. Yeah, exactly. Entirely yeah. believable of someone who would go all in on the whole method side. To of get things. the sixth Oscar type of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then ironically, in a, in a weird twist and turn, the movie goes on about how these actors do these things to win awards. And then Downey Jr. goes on to get an Academy Award nomination for Best Supporting Actor at the 2009 um, Academy Awards and a BAFTA nomination. And, and to date, it's his only other Oscar nomination um, over the Charlie Chaplin film he did in the early 90s. Of course, yeah. So I yeah. find it really weird how for all this you know, controversy, Danny mm. Jr. Gets, still gets recommended for a, a, a an, an award. But I think his performance, for me, it's so over the top and out there that it's Downey Jr. playing this character. I don't think he's actually not trying to take the piss. And there's so many mm. instances in the film where the film does bring it to the fore and go, look how fucking ridiculous this is. Mm-hmm. You know, when you've got the character of Al Pacino, um, the, a genuine black man. What do you mean, you people? Well, yeah, exactly. What do you mean, you people? Like, you know, yeah, exactly. Just quoting lines from the Jeffersons, like, how absurd is oh that? Oh, my God, yeah. You know, and Danny Jr.'s like, well, it's still a great theme tune. And it's like, that's not the fucking point. But anyway. Um, so retro review time. First retro review of the year comes from the late great Robert Ebert from August eleventh, two thousand eight, and I've truncated it for ease of reading. So he calls it the ultimate war movie movie. A trope of actors under the impression they're making a Vietnam War film wanders dangerously into the jungle and is captured by a gang of drug lords who thinks the actors are narcs. The movie is a send up of Hollywood actors, acting agents, directors, writers, rappers, trailers, and egos much enhanced by several cameo roles. Stiller and Ethan Cohen are familiar with the ordeals of filmmaking and location work and distills it into a wildly exaggerated scenes that have a whiff of accuracy. Especially interesting is the way that director Damien Coburn leaves the picture, which perhaps reflects the way some actors feel about directors. This movie is, may I say, considerably better than Stiller's previous film Zoolander, it has a kind of summer comedy feel. It rolls in, makes a lot of people laugh, and then rolls onto video. Classic Ebert, yeah. Mm. Who am I to argue with Roger Ebert? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As always, we ask for your one-word reviews, and they were, again, a bumper crop to choose from. Um, I think we have 80 responses at the moment. A load of likes. Thanks, everyone, for getting involved again. We love hearing them. Rob Shipman goes with Cruise. AD Bond goes with Bananas. Uh, CGK uh, says never. Um, Adam White goes with Coogan. Chris Langdon goes with hilarious. We've got Mark C, another one for Cruise. Uh, Nick Champion says aspirational. Tom McCall goes with pastiche. Uh, Dan McClinton goes with tugganuts. We've got old Roger going player. Um, that scene come <laughs> come up later. Uh, Darren Skerritt goes with you people. <laughs> Paul Bennett goes with big ass titties. <laughs> um we've got Stuart Fitzall braces um and then finally we have Chris Viking that goes with passable I thought was quite interesting okay yeah. this movie I it think this movie holds does it. divide opinion a bit doesn't it, it? really does yeah because mm. um, I as I say I'm probably mentioning now when I went to the cinema I thought I was seeing a straight war film like parody like something like hot shots yeah, I thought that's I what I was going to go and see and yeah. then when it when it pulls out of that 
hot LZ sequence that we'll talk about later. Yeah, it breaks the fourth wall, doesn't it? It breaks the fourth wall. And I hadn't really experienced anything like that. When, I think when you're 15, you're not, unless you're really into movies, like you haven't, yeah. you might not experience that before. I was, I was into mm-hmm. Peep Show. So I knew about fourth wall breaking, but Peep Show does it in a completely different way. We, you know, hear internalized voices and it's like they're talking to you. But this movie, I was like, oh, okay, it's a film about films now. Like, I don't really know enough about movie making at that point in my life to fully un- fully get it. But mm-hmm. in the years since, like from doing the show and from, you know, I did a film at A-level and then I did acting for a bit. It just, it just, it is like that. <laughs> and that's why it's funny to me. It's just such a great parody. Matt, do you want to fill us in on the cast? Okay, so we're going to do it a little bit differently this week. So I thought what we do is Ooh. we just go through the actor and who they're playing and what the the character in the movie's background as an actor is. And then we can talk a little bit about some of the war movies that they've been in and there's some surprises. So as Rob mentioned, Ben's still a director, but also plays uh, Tug Speedman, who's kind of like a frazzled action hero. He's He's been doing an action hero series, Scorcher, and he's ridden it into the ground. Yeah. Um, and he's like Sly or Schwarzenegger or yeah, the, it, it's, type guy. They've they fatigued his like appeal by doing mm. the same movie over and over again, basically. Just been really badly handled as, a, as an actor. Scorcher um, 5, Global Meltdown. <laughs> again. Again. <laughs> again. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we'll talk about that opening sequence later on. It also begins, the movie begins with some faux trailers um, mm. that, that set up most of the main cast. Then we've got Jack Black, who plays Jeff Portnoy, who's a drug-addled um, comedy actor who is in a series of films where he plays all of the roles, um, which is very reminiscent of late 90s, early 2000s Eddie Murphy, yes. where he, he plays all of the roles. Um, and it's called Fatties the Fatty series and um, his main claim to fame is he can fart on command. That's it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, it, so basically it's just fart jokes all the way through. Mm. He's, he's, he's addicted to uh, jelly beans. Um, Cocaine. Quote, yeah. Quote. Whatever, <laughs> whatever he can get his hands on. Quote, quote, um, yeah. uh, then we've got Robert Downey Jr. Who plays Kirk Lazarus, who is a uh, seven time Academy Award winner uh, method actor who undergoes pigment alteration surgery in uh, an undisclosed Asian country where he, his skin is dyed black and it's um, method blackface essentially. Um, But he adopts the vernacular and the mannerisms of a uh, black man from the American South who's been drafted and he becomes Sergeant um, Osiris in in the film. Um, and it's it's a it's a pastiche of those method actors like Daniel Day Lewis and and others that go and Russell Crowe like yeah, yeah they go yeah. fully into a role Johnny Depp um, all them sort of people yeah yeah um, and he's Australian so he does a bit mm. of an Australian accent so he's he's probably the most layered character in this he's an American he really playing is. an Australian going on? playing a uh, a method I'm actor that is portraying of another dude yeah <laughs> it's brilliant i Quite. love how they unpick it Just, it's so i great. know who you are i know who you are yeah. my friend <laughs> um and the the really great bit is he's coming off the back of a, a really big movie um with toby Maguire called satan's alley about a pair of gay monks priests yeah. um and it's like for, the trailer for that is 
it's, it's hilarious. Just, yeah, it really yeah. is. Um, that was shot in Hawaii again. I know just, on in one in one day. In one I, day. Yeah. In one day. So anyway. we had a flight to catch, they did a did a favour on like a two wall set, but uh, still it was saying in the commentary I listened to. <laughs> but it's perfect. He's perfect. It's great, it. isn't it? It's and so the good. Thing, they're like Teen Choice Awards, best kiss. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Toby Maguire. Um, then we got Nick Nolte, who plays Four Leaf Tabak, who is the author of a uh, best-selling Vietnam War um, uh, autobiography, memoir, and he has lost his hands in the line of duty, and he has a set of claws, and Nick Nolte knocks it out the park. It's really good. perfect for it. Yeah. Um, we'll talk more about him in a moment. Then we have Steve Coogan, who is acting his little heart out in the four scenes he has before yeah. he is sadly dispatched. Um, and he he does he does a, a great um, job of setting up that character and the crux of the movie, yeah. And the emotional punch of like, oh fuck, <laughs> you yeah. know when it happens, yeah. Damien um, Coburn, Damien Coburn, um, which and, is also it's a riff on like directors who go from theatre to film and can't hack yes. it. It's just great, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, then we've got a uh, we've got Jay. Barishel, uh, who plays Kevin Sandusky, Dusky, who is a novice actor who's done one film before and is just cast because I think they've run out of money. Um, <laughs> yeah, it seems that way. See, there's a lot about his character they cut. So, because mm. I think he thanks there's this extended sequence of the one week party, and in the, the version on the Blu-ray, at least, he he thanks Coburn for casting him. And like, and he's like, oh, you know, thanks a lot. And he, it implies he went and did the boot camp when no one else did. Yes. Um. So it's yeah, like you see a bit of that in um. Yeah. One of the uh one of the behind the scenes things yeah, that we'll talk funny, about. Funny, isn't it? Yeah, it's great. Um. And then we have uh. Well, he plays the straight man, doesn't he? Essentially, he does. Yeah. Um. Yeah. We should note that before we move on. And then we have Danny McBride, who plays Cody Underwood, who is hilarious as the the films like helicopter um helicopter pilot and also uh, explosive expert like the pyro dude. Uh, and he, t- he like he, he talks about nearly blinding Jamie Lee Curtis on the set of Freaky Friday, <laughs> <Freaky> Friday. <laughs> <laughs> which he's got like no pyro. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, it's so good. Um, and then we've got Brendan T. Jackson who plays uh, Al Pacino, uh, which yeah. is obviously a riff on Al Pacino, and he's yeah. a closeted uh, gay rapper. Um, with the reveal of which is quite funny. Yeah, it's not um, bad. But he's he's got like hyper masculine. Um, rap career where mm. his his big song is busting up um no is uh is is um booty his, shake booty shake is the drink and busting up is the is the energy um, bar yeah energy bar yeah. um but he's got like uh what's this song is it i love the pussy or something or yeah like something that. like that yeah 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 anyway it, it it's set up at the beginning of the film anyway um so Famously, apparently, Kevin Hart declined the role because uh, the character was gay. Um, oh, which I'm glad about because I don't think Kevin Hart could have pulled it off. Later on, say it wasn't it wasn't because he was homophobic; it was because he just didn't want to kiss a guy on screen, something like that. And I, I was like, know. "Well, we're, we're okay." <laughs> like, that I, I didn't sense, look into but, it, but you know, no, I didn't either. And then we got Bill Hader as a uh, studio exec who is uh, Les Grossman's um, right hand man. You don't see you don't see a lot of him. But he's really good in the bit he's in. I love Bill Hader, and like it was this was one he of my good. first introductions to Bill Hader, and I was like, "It's a very early film role because obviously he's busy with SNL." Yeah, yeah, that's what he's coming. He's got me back into up. SNL this as well. I think it was that was kind of like the golden era. 
I think it like was Andy Samberg, Bill Hader. Yeah, today um, kiss. Yeah. 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 A lot of good, lot of good stuff come out. Um, then we've got uh, Brandon Suho, uh, who played Tran, the twelve-year-old leader of the drug gang, um, Flaming Dragon. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and then we have Reggie Lee, who plays Beyong, who is the second command. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are all like playing tropey um, Asian baddie characters. Yes, yes. I they? like to, I like, I like to think it's there their mockery of the type of actors that were played VC in a Vietnam War movie. Mm-hmm. I thought it was like their version of that. Yeah, yeah, I, mm. I think so. And then rounding it out, we've got Matthew McConaughey, who plays Rick the Pecker Peck, um, so good who is uh, Tug Speedman's agent and yeah. best friend, um, who's great. Um... Tugrenads. Is that that thing? <laughs> yeah. Tugrenads. Is is um, Speedman's best friend? Yeah, and of course, as we mentioned already, Tom Cruise plays Les Grossman, the profane, um, very very bad tempered um, studio exec yeah. um, who is producing the movie and funding it. Um, and famously, Cruise really wants to reprise that role and do yeah, a spin off. Does yeah, I've heard um, about. We've talked about that recently as yeah. well. Didn't he did it like an award show where he came out as the character? keeps yeah, trying to get a project off yeah. the ground yeah he did I like an mtv it. or something yeah. you could do it you know he's, he's good it's funny it's funny yeah. um it's cruise so it's I not think... cruise as you've ever seen him no, well, we'll that, talk that's about kind of, yeah well we've talked about this before where it's difficult with some actors like peck gregory peck um robert de niro pacino yeah. it's difficult to remove them from so the much role from a movie yeah because you're just watching you're just watching gregory peck and gregory I, peck yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and Cruz is very much, I think, in that kind of realm mm. as an actor. Mm. It broke the not to say so he much. can't, not to say he can't can't do it. A good actor, whoever you get opportunities, we've seen it, it lots of times. Yeah. Mm. But I think he's so recognisable, and everyone expects him to do a certain thing. I think this no, is why right. he's jumped at this to break that mold. Mm. So I thought to round this out, um, and normally, like we talk about um, which war movies uh, actors have been yeah. in in the past, and and you find links, context don't we? this way. To the we show, did. to so yeah. I, I thought this time what we'd do is we'd have a we play a round of it's everyone's favorite game who's in what war movie? So, Stiller, you've already mentioned Empire of the Sun, Empire of the Sun, yeah, that's as far as I know his only war movie credit. Okay, Jack Black, what can you think of? What would fit the, the war movie? Very broad yeah, definition of war movie, military, we have the only military role. That I know Jack Black to have ever played. He played a soldier in Mars Attacks. Ding ding. Whee. One point for Rob. Nice. It, they're all, this is all for Rob. I, I can't do this. It's my okay. question. No, yeah. No, yeah. It's, this, this is, this is, this is just. This is an impromptu um, pop quiz. <laughs> Robert Downey Jr., what have you got? Who do you think? What, what was he in? Well, I was Owen Man, obviously. They're not really. Not really. War movies, but, yeah. No, okay. Oh, Technically. He was in a <laughs> Vietnam War movie. Oh, it was in Platoon, but it was cut. Was it? No? Okay, well, that wasn't what I was thinking of. I was no, thinking was of not? Air America. Oh, was it Air America? My mind Air America in 1990, yeah. Oh, I'm thinking... No, I'm thinking of Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp was cut from oh, Platoon. Yeah, yeah, sorry. A lot of people were cut from Platoon. Yeah. Or Johnny a lot Depp of people were Apocalypse Now. Cut yeah. down, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, Nolte. Now, this is this is probably the easiest one. He has a lot of war movie credits. That can I've not be seen any Nolte credits. I know okay. he did one where he is it like oh, is it like called not Serbia or somewhere where he plays like a war correspondent? 
Under Fire, yeah. Under yeah. Fire, right, okay, mm. good. Thank God yeah. for that, yeah. Um, then we've got 1989's Farewell to the King, where he's a, uh, a US deserter that is with the Headhunters <laughs> with Nigel Havers, is that with the one? Nigel like? Havers, that's the one. We need to do that, that movie looks bad. We do. We need to do that. It is mad. Um, then, of course, what's the obvious one? Blank, blank, draw a blank. Uh, thin Red Line. Of course, yes, of course he was in Thin Red Line. Thin Red Line. Um, yeah, and yeah, Hotel yeah, Rwanda yeah. as well in 2004. Oh, okay. Yes, he was the UN, the UN was, yeah. army man. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Coogan. What, what war movie has Coogan been in? Really? Hope you were playing along at home. Really? Oh, <laughs> see, me and Matt are big Coogan fans. Mm-hmm. Oh god! Ooh. You know about this film, Rob. We've talked about this film. You know about it. It's, it's one of Paul Greengrass's films. Yeah, no, 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 no. In the loop. Mm. No. Oh, it, no. That's a movie about war. Paul Resurrected. Greengrass. Resurrected. Was he in Resurrected? Yeah, he was in no Resurrected. No way. What was he in that? Um, uh, I think he's the lead. Like he, he's. I think no, no. He might that's not be. David Lewis. You're thinking of? No, that's right. But he is in that film. Oh right. Okay. Yeah. It's a, wow. it's a uh, yeah, it's a like movie a pre... about a Falklands yeah, veteran. Yeah, nine eighty nine. God, that's yeah. quite early for Cougs. Yeah. Wow. Um, Bill Hader. Bill Hader. This is tricky. If you haven't seen Bill Hader's recent TV work. Oh, Barry. Yep. Yep. Okay. Plays a US hitman. Marine. He's, he's a he's a global war on terror U.S. Marine Corps veteran. Oh right, okay, I didn't know that. Not um, seen Barry. I've heard a lot of good things. I need to watch that because it does look good. All the clips. It's hard to get HBO stuff over here. Yeah, it is. It is. BBC needs to try harder. Um, it's on Now TV, I think. You can get all that. Is it? There. Okay. Mm. McConaughey. I want to say Captain Courage Mandolin, but that's not right, is it? No, it's not. It's not. Not a bad guest around the time. Around that time. He wasn't in Black Hawk Down, was he? Because everyone was in there. No, he wasn't. I know everyone was kind of in that, but no. Sahara? He was in Sahara, um, but it wasn't Sahara the war movie. No, no, it was no, like no, an I adventure wasn't... movie. Yeah, I was yeah. thinking the adventure one had yeah. a bit of war in it. No. You give up? Oh, God. All right, all right, all right. Um... <laughs> oh, God. U571. Of course. Yeah, I've got it right on the shelf over there. I tried to yep. get that one in the back of my brain. Wow, fair enough. <laughs> And then finally, Tom Cruise. Got a few you can get through. Yeah, got a few there. Um, oh, uh, the one where he, the sci-fi war one, where he's like... Yeah, Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah, Edge of Tomorrow, yeah. Mm-hmm. I quite like that. That's one. Um, Valkyrie. Valkyrie, that's two. Valkyrie's two. Ooh. Last Samurai. Of course, yeah, we just mentioned we've mentioned it before. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. A samurai. Um uh Taps. What's that one? That's uh he's they're in a US military academy and they mutiny um and there's a good. siege, an armed siege. Um Ooh. because the uh the principal of the, the school is being uh, forcibly retired and the kids rebel and don't that want might to be fun. It. Sounds like the last um, castle, but not in a prison. Yep, kind of. Um, <laughs> uh, War of the Worlds. Yeah, okay. I'll give you, yeah, kind sci-fi of. again. Yeah, give you that. Yeah. Top Gun. Of course, Top Gun. Why did I think Top Gun for? Um, born on the 4th of July. <laughs> of course, yeah. 
Yeah. See, when you put on the spot, it's the whole thing of going. It's hard, well, isn't it? No, it's hard. You know, I, I when you watch like the chase agree. or something, you're shouting at the telly, being like, "It goes." You should know the. You know, I know the answer, and it's like, "Well, yeah, they're in a studio with the pressure of you know a camera beaming <laughs> at them." No, it's yeah, well, there we good. go. Like, no, good. That was great. We should play that more um, often. Let's become a feature. Yeah, I, I, I thought that would be a good, good way of doing the links to past war movies that these actors have been in. But that rounds out cast. That takes us to Ali Tally. It does. It's time for Ali Tally on Fighting on Film. Before the Alitalia started, Matthew just pulled out a 1958 British Army water bottle and just started chugging for it, and we had a bit of a laughing fit. Um, <laughs> anyway, kicking off the first Alitalia of the year. So for me, it's a bit unfair because I'm going to do a whole scene for my Alitalia, mm-hmm. but I think it fits. So it's the hot LZ scene at the start yeah. I, I mentioned in my production notes. Um, it rides the line again, and I said this with, Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Where equals there. But it rides the line between pastiche and parody. Um, I saw the, the scene for the first time in the cinema and I thought the whole film was going to be this exaggerated, over-the-top take on the war movie. But then it obviously opens up into what the movie is about, making movies. But the scene encapsulates everything you've ever seen from a big-budget Hollywood war, war film in the last 40 years. VC in black pyjamas running out of the mist, the bayonet, one of the leaves, <laughs> like in oh We God. Were Soldiers. Um, then we've got even the text before the scene starts is a massive tongue-in-cheek nod to that entire genre. of Right down to the font. Yes, exactly. You've got that like stencil font that, that we all use. Um, it's in the winter of 1969, and the lead forces of U.S. Army were sent out on a top-secret assignment in southeast Vietnam. The objective, rescue Sergeant Four-Leaf Tayback from a heavily guarded NVA prison camp. The mission was considered to be near suicide. Of the ten men sent, four returned. Of those four, three wrote books about what happened. Of those three, two were published. Of those two, just one got a movie deal. <laughs> and I love how cliched that is. But I also love, and I didn't realise until I watched the movie again, that's the plot of the film. You watch that film. Yeah, yeah. They do the they do rescue him from a prison camp, just not an they NBA do. one. It's so yeah. it's so clever. Uh, the sort of the foreshadowings even there at the start, plain to see. And then you've got the like the orchestral chanting over the over the um Ben Stiller doing his platoon uh, gunshot oh, boogie. Oh god, and the number of rounds he takes. It's <laughs> so great, yeah. Um, and you got that hey, hey, hey thing, like like you're getting We Were Soldiers. It's so good. 
Um, you got the three Hueys coming in over the jungle to the sound of cliche Vietnam um, war tracks. You got Ball of Confusion by the Sensations. I think. Oh, such Run a great song. The jungles anyway. in there. It it's is great, isn't it? There's some stones as well. There's some stones, and they're all really like cliche, which I love. And even down to like that, there are AR15 Sporter 2 carbines in place mm. of XM 177s yeah. that are used by Tug Speedman and Osiris in the opening sequence. And that for me is a definite homage to Platoon because yeah. Barnes and Elias use them. And mm-hmm. you can tell they're not XMs because they don't have a big fat flash hider. They've got like a thin M4 carbine. They have barrel. a longer barrel, don't they, in front mm. of the uh, front sight post? Yeah, and that's a great trope. You see them in a lot of other war movies as well um, that can't get XMs. Um, and Jack Black as, as Fats on the M60, he always seems to be like a big heavy set dude that gets given the pig. Um, yeah. And I happily would have seen just much more of the ensemble do the Nam shtick. And apparently, according to the staff of Warriors Inc., like Jack Black was worryingly good with the M60. Like he was just really <laughs> such a natural with it. Um, I like the use of like the flak jackets as vests <laughs> to show off Tug Speedman's muscles. Like I, I just love the way he wears it. And the graffiti on helmet covers, cards and shotgun shells and helmet bands. It's just really, really cliched it's stuff. All of the, the tropes, yeah. Yeah, you know, wearing like, even down to like wearing flak jackets in jungle environment, you'd never do. Like, mm-hmm. it's just really good. Um, and the dialogue as well. It's just so thick with tropes in that sequence. So it's like, we need buku firepower, rock and roll. Want some? <laughs> Come get some. We need diddy now, diddy now. <laughs> you know, like, it's all so packed with jargon and... And Vietnamese slang and, and Vietnamese words that, that you hear in all other films. The, there's literally a up. direct Hamburger Hill reference where he goes, ain't no thing. Ain't no thing. It's so great. Yeah. And even when he's running, it's like, peekaboo, I see you. And he shoots the guy behind him with his pistols. <laughs> it's so great. Um, Danny Jr. did all his stunts in that in that section. So when the helicopter explodes near him, he did that role of the, you know, that you see, he wasn't no stunt mm. then. Um, oh, well, it took cool. him about 15 or 16 times, he says in the DVD commentary. Um, and the excessive gore of, of Radio Op being shot. Like, there's just so oh, much going on. Yeah, the the the, uh, the LT gets shot in the back of the head, doesn't he? And he falls, yeah. and it does not stop fountaining. The, yeah, the exactly. blood is insane. Yeah. And then, and then Sandusky's character gets bayoneted in the guts, and the 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 VC just jangles the, the I think it's like an SKS, the bayonet it's an around AK it. bayonet, the AKM with a bayonet on it. And yeah. um, and he's like, I think I can put it back in. <laughs> yeah, like all those all those tropey <laughs> lines, yeah. And I like oh, the, God. like there's just the lines of like of, of Portnoy's character being like calling that snakey mate and get us some bum bum now. <laughs> it's like it's such <laughs> like cliched bollocks. I just love it. It's not none of it makes any sense. No, my favorite exactly. my favorite out of it all though is um, when uh, Danny Junior is uh, there with Stiller after he's carried him back and they've been yes. like they've landed after Stiller has battered away a hand grenade <laughs> with it with his hands and had his hands yeah. blown off and he says take my hands and, and he <laughs> picks up his stumps and he's holding his hand yeah. and he just and Danny Jr. just looks at him and goes survive <laughs> so good. instead of like all the tropes of like hang in there you're gonna yeah. make it he just goes survive survive, <laughs> survive. and that's where the film clicks to be parody but that sequence could the just the way slot it pulls in. out though, so it's good. Very, it's very clever, and yeah. and well, you got that huge just back set of mm. of everything that goes well, they into shot their a own. Film. They shot their own set. They said they yeah. didn't. You know, there was no point wasting money creating a whole fake crew just to shot the crew. Because if you look in that sequence, 
um, the genuine cinematographer is just standing next to Steve Coogan. Um, and like the, the the boom guy is the same boom guy, and some of these guys mm-hmm. had lines and they didn't get they didn't get used. But there's even like references later on in the movie. Um, so Speedman's breakdown is like reminiscent of Mark, of Sheen's character at the start of Apocalypse Now, and then he goes a bit Brando with the black there's, there's definite Brando at the end. <laughs> yeah, and they shoot in the same way with the with the shadow with the because they were mm-hmm. trying to make trying to show you how fucking fat Brando got. Um, and then and then there's a bit where um, they do that thing. I I can't explain it very well, but you know what I mean. So when in Saving Private Ryan, when Tom Hanks comes out of the landing craft and he finally makes it onto the beach, he's got that ringing in his ears. Yeah. He looks around and everything's sort of going on in slow motion. Yeah, I, know, I know the scene you're going to mention. Yeah, and someone shouts at him and goes, what the hell are we going to do now, sir? Like, And they parody that right near the end. Um, which is such a blink and you'll miss it reference. It's, it's uh, so, uh, it's so Jack Black's like shouting, shouting about a pain in his ass. Something, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, it's <laughs> great. I just love it. And it's a very just, quotable film. It's very quotable. And, and it's just, if you love action movies and you like war movies, like that opening scene is so tropey. It's, it's such an indulgent scene. That's why I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's the alley tally for me, that opening sequence. That, that's my alley tally. If if I can have two favourite scenes this week, that's my alley tally. Yeah, that's allowable. Um, alley tally for me, it's got to be um, Downey's cut down Ithaca 37. It's so cool. Yeah. Which is like the, the least useful weapon available. <laughs> and he he carries it. He's great. smoking fools with it though, and that's yeah, it. It's great. I love the bit where he drops his belt gear and just takes a forty-five, <laughs> and he yeah. puts it against Al Pacino's like face and says, "I'm gonna like," and he's, he's no, I'm gonna go and get him. Um, <laughs> yeah. That that's great. My other favorite bit is McBride's slingshot, where he's slingshotting like pyro <laughs> at the end, right, yeah, into um into like the 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 yeah the drug gangs like huts and stuff. Mm. Um, I would say the circa 2008 armored TiVo box also deserves <laughs> yeah. a mention for for taking that RPG. <laughs> TiVo, my the friend TiVo joke is my so dated. Gets TiVo, yeah, it's really dated another t- another five years, and people are going to be like, "Don't yeah. get that." That Don't kind of scans that. now, like, sort of, because people just yeah. know nostalgia wise. By the time it. Is it like a box that you could pause live TV with or something? Yeah, in the UK, the closest thing would have been like a Sky Plus box. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. Yeah, basically. There's an extended scene. You can, re- you can record TV on it, that's what it is, it's basically just a recording. Yeah, in, in the alternate ending, McConaughey's character gets dragged away by the, the flaming dragons, and then they watch the, the Oscars together, and they've been taking bets on who was going to win <laughs> or not. And it turned out that, that um, uh, Peck Peckerman um, had a bet against um to win an oscar <laughs> so i don't know whether you noticed this but at the very end where where they're pulling away in the helicopter and you see mcconaughey run into the jungle yeah that looks really weirdly sped up it does a bit yeah doesn't it I didn't it kind of just he starts slow and then like it speeds up massively and he sprints into the just into the tree line. getting out of there <laughs> um one last thing for the alitali would be i think uh the m9 flamethrower that nolte it's cool um yeah lights up the camp with and it's it's another trope it's the never-ending flamethrower you get yeah. like max 10 seconds on a flamethrower and he's there just holding the trigger down walking <laughs> around <laughs> so good there's another great bit where and it's cut from the again it's a deleted scene or extended stop sequence. talking about bits that aren't in the film I know, sorry just because you've funny. got the blu-ray it doesn't mean that everyone else does you know i know sorry um 
<laughs> where you know like when people are going through rivers and they've got those snorkels they make out of bamboo yes. well there's, there's a really funny sequence and they cut it for time um there's a little commentary track on it <laughs> but they go through the river and it's not as deep as they think so they get about <laughs> halfway through and they're like literally above the river but they've still got the snorkels in it's really funny but you can see why they cut it but it's great but i, I even oh just love love the, the actors even down to like the last moments of the film they're still treating the firearms like they're real like they don't yeah. pick up they don't pick up like a real gun and actually start no, they killing <laughs> they use all their blank ammo up which i really love it's really oh, great good. yeah that's a good point actually mm. so Rob, what's your favorite scene it's favorite scene um as i said i love that hot lz sequence um yeah. but tom cruise's cameo is lloyd Gro- lloyd grossman oh you got another one okay come on. oh les grossman mm-hmm. oh you haven't segued into favorite scenes have you You just take the piss yeah that's staying in you fuck it <laughs> <laughs> you can't that, fuck okay, with that... it you can't fuck with a running order man i am the running order <laughs> <laughs> and now for a sweet segue into favorite scenes Make me look a fool on my own show. <laughs> I'm gonna say that all again for the benefit of the listeners. I love the whole LZ scene. Um, but Tom Cruise's cameo is as as Les Grossman. It's so funny. Like it just it is that movie for me. I can't think of that film without thinking of Tom Cruise. I know it's it's the profanity and the moves that he just yeah. busts out and you just don't expect it. No, and it's it, like it's almost as unexpected as as Coogan's demise. Oh, yeah. They can't, you can't not talk about this movie about that as well. The reveal of him, he's the real villain of the thing because he's just going to leave Tug there to die. Yeah. And, and yeah. catch the uh, catch the, the insurance claim. Yeah. And Bill Hader's there going, well, you know, the, 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 the net of the insurance claim would be more than the film would lose. You know, you just think that's exactly <laughs> the sort of conversations that must have been had at some point in a, in a studio somewhere. And then, you can see it. Yeah. And then Cruz just turns on like, like an mp3 player and apple bottom jeans starts and he just starts absolutely <laughs> vibing going like you could be a player <laughs> you know you want the goodies welcome to the goodie room like it's all just such great dialogue and they just you know that they saw him pouring off mcconaughey with a g5 and some money it's just such a great little <laughs> scene it's so funny in any other film it would just be really odd but it just works it, McConaughey and, and and Tom Cruise just having fun in them scenes, and then yeah. McConaughey gives a real weight to his character that he just doesn't need to, as well, which I really appreciate. It's, it's such a funny scene. What about you? Again, the, my favorite scene is is that opening, and the way it begins with the trailers, the faux trailers, mm. is is perfection. So it it pastiches not only like really serious character driven movies where it's yeah. um, Satan's Alley. Um, (laughs) which is kind of a kind of a a ripoff of Brokeback Mountain and other like those kind of movies Um, it rips off the action genre really well with the scorch Um, it's basically the earth gets global warming times a thousand Um, and he's the only man that can apparently save us anyway it's not explained he's holding a baby he's got two guns but that's weird Then, then he has two babies and 
two guns. <laughs> two it's guns. it's yeah. typical typical stuff. Um, it shows Jack Black's fatties um, fart two sequence, yeah. which is just mostly farting, and it's just that, that awful like crass, most base level comedy. Um, yeah. It just does it really well, and of course, we I won't rehash the entire like conversation we've just had about that scene, but. There is also a Wilhelm scream, which is always nice really to hear. Really early on. Yeah, you're yeah. right. This is nice. Which is perfect. And, then, perfect because, fits. and I think this is where it comes to the problem with this movie. There's, it's so quotable. There's so much great dialogue that we're doing a disservice by not talking about all of it. Um, but it, for me, I mean, me, me and Matt are big Steve Coogan fans. So mm-hmm. him stepping on a landmine is just timeless funny to me. It never fails to make me laugh. Because Coogan has this massive dialogue where he's like, and I am Jesus Christ, and you are my disciples. And he's like, proper gone mad by that point. <laughs> just let's go make the best war movie ever. <laughs> just hear a click, looks at the ground, goes, oh, and then just explodes. <laughs> just great. And the way Stiller sells it is, uh, it's it, uh, very funny, <laughs> Damien. It's like um, cord syrup. <laughs> Oh my god! That Wait, whole Ken. that that bit where he picks the head up is it, it's so shocking. <laughs> it's I can, I can remember like the first time I saw it. Still moving around. Yeah, it's such a good piece of practical effects. It's really as well. good. Yeah, it's, it's um, so funny. And he kicks the head that, away. <laughs> and Dave Beckham that dates it as well. Like it's so funny. That scene is is the crux of the movie. That's where the movie flips. Yes, it's a really important one, but it's a great one and. I, I like the bit where they go. That was a, that was how he knows. I have no idea, but he's like that was a French mine left over from the Indochina War. Yeah, because in that in that making fake making of they made, they say that his character went to the boot camp. Yeah, so he's he the only one that maybe learned that there. I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, we mentioned it's so quotable, but I mean, let's let's just throw out some quotes. Uh, there's the bit where Tug goes like full, full immersion, and he's like, "It's beautiful out here." I've moved on. <laughs> yeah. I'm way beyond TiVo. <laughs> way, way beyond TiVo. Yeah. And he's like got a panda head. Yeah. He's murdered a panda. <laughs> <laughs> and he's watching and, something and, on his iPod. And Peck, Peck, Peck <laughs> thinks he's, um, Pecker thinks he's killed a prostitute. <laughs> and he's saying you need to get lime and bathtub. <laughs> Just insinuating that you melt the woman. And then when he hears it's a panda, he's like, what's the problem? Oh, it's great, and it, it just sort of and even little things like um, like punching, getting a Les Grossman getting that grip to punch, <laughs> to punch Coogan oh, yeah. in the punch face. Coogan. Yeah, yeah. There's just so much going on. Like, and even um, the first time you see um Bill Hader, he's like spitting some watermelon or something back. Oh God, yeah, where the the complimentary fruit tray yeah, comes through, really he takes something, spits it back onto the yeah. tray. It's great. It's the entitlement of the movie industry again, getting past each. Yeah, yeah. One a one week party, like to see yeah. a week down. Yeah, it's hilarious. Downey Downey Junior's got a load of great great, oh, great lines in yeah. this. He's got most of them. He's got you know the whole you people sequence yeah, is great. Yeah. And suck my unit, which is classic um yeah and then the bit where he breaks character a little bit when um al pacino um criticizes uh crocodile dundee and he's like <laughs> man's a national he treasure. Breaks kids. <laughs> <laughs> the guy's a national treasure <laughs> yeah. it's great yeah um 
But then I like I, I like at the end when he just he's just being Kirk, and he's just got this quite passable Australian accent. It's quite funny. Like I like it. I like I like Daddy's arc in this. It's quite good. And how how is he fluent in, in Vietnamese? Is he so method? Oh, it was Chinese, Vietnamese? wasn't he? I think was does it? he mention it was lucky for a film? I don't or know. Something? You've, you've watched somewhere. commentary. I haven't watched the commentary. Something. I didn't do the whole commentary. But the funny thing about that commentary is Danny Jr. is still in character. Character. And, and of he course, says in the film. I never leave character until the DVD commentary's finished. <laughs> and lo and behold, he is. And he's calling like, he called, Jack Black was late for the commentary. So he's like, oh man, this Jack fool's late for the commentary. And he's like, just giving him grief for that the whole way through. And like, it's it's very funny. Um, it's just it, Jumping it, off that, yeah. we've got to talk about the Reign of Madness. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like extra that was on the DVD. which so that's is on YouTube. Um, you it is. It. It's up on YouTube if you haven't got the DVD. And that was devised by Steve Coogan and Justin Theroux, mm. and it adds a lot of extra stuff to sort of, that props up the movie. Yeah. The, at least the start of the movie that shows mm. it off for what it is. It, it's a real good Pugman's parody. Of... Desire not to do monologue that is more than like five words. Yeah, yeah. He he's in his trailer watching Desperate Housewives, <laughs> which again is dates it um, very much so. But I mean, I love I love Coogan. He gets to actually like do a little bit more acting in that little. Mm. Um, in the it was in very Coogan reign of madness thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, Alan Partridge like you know film very filming. Good. Yeah, um, it's really good. And I also like the the sequence we mentioned where um, Kevin Sandusky does the uh, the boot camp, and yes, he's the only funny. one that does the boot camp. And the boot camp is led by. Um, uh, Drake the Stick Longwood, and he's known as the Stick because he he hits people with a bat, <laughs> and he he beats the shit out of, of Sandusky and um, Damien the director. Um, <laughs> yeah. He goes, "I'm the director," and he still he still he drops still him with him. the bat. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And um, and that character was played by Jimmy Rich, Downey's assistant. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. So um, Jimmy Rich has been uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s assistant on most mm. films. If you look at his IMDb, and we Fun should fact. mention as well that the actual film *Tropic Thunder* at the moment just been added to Amazon Prime in the UK, um, so it is, is easily watchable. Um, yeah, there's just so much going on. I, I have got one this in more my thing notes. I Please need do. to ask you about this. So Justin Theroux plays Jan Jurgen, which. He's doing like mad Werner Herzog vibes with that narration. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's mad. Yeah. Um, but in 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 um, Rain of Madness, it shows that there's a rainstorm and they have to break production. So of course, yes. um, uh, Downey Jr.'s character is full method, so he hires a period C one thirty to take. <laughs> Him and his real like, fake family. Because he gets the family of the guy in. Yeah. He gets Sergeant but, Osiris's real yeah. family yeah, to but, come to the set to accept him as doing the character. Yeah. So it shows them on set and he's there with like the dude's wife and his kids. Yes. Um and they and they they all accept him and it's shown as like, yeah, it's great. Um yeah. and then it shows them back in Galveston. <laughs> yeah. Like his home, like uh, Osiris's his hometown. Hometown, yeah. And he's gone. He's gone full immersion again, of like um, when when troops came back from from 
from from the war it's and a bit of PTSD. He's, he's a black panther he's yeah. got ptsd he's got them in stress positions he's holding them up with a gun yes <laughs> it's the dude's actual family but of course the whole crux of the movie is none of it's real because nick nolte's character made it all up so yes. who are that family i know right <laughs> exactly exactly yeah exactly <laughs> Maybe they're actors that they got into a piece, Kirk, or something. Maybe. Like that maybe might, maybe the studio knew, really, and um, they just or hired some the actors. Or maybe the guys were real, but Nolte made embellished a story about real people, perhaps. Well, it, well Nolte's character says he was, he was like, in, in the, the Coast, Coast Guard, Guard as a, yeah. a refuse worker or yeah. something. He was a garbage man in the Coast Guard. Because I like how they sort Guard. Of almost kind of insinuate that he's a bit fake with what he's wearing because he's got like every badge under the sun on there's nothing like you know it doesn't say like tropic thunder anywhere on his like jacket as if he'd had had like a badge from his time there yeah. so it, I, I, I kind i don't know if it's intentional but i think they kind of try to show you early on yeah these bullshit yeah, i can see that i can yeah. see that but i love that if you've seen hearts of darkness the making of of the yes. apocalypse now that came out in 91 um, if you haven't seen that, please go and see it because it's it's fantastic piece of documentary making. But it's such a great parody of that, you know, even down to a tropical. That's storm why it's worth talking in. about. We never talk about DVD commentary no, stuff, don't. But, but for this, this it's worth really talking fits. about because yeah, it adds a lot to the movie. Mm. And if you're if you're a war movie fan, like it's it's something to find out. And I think that probably segues into final thoughts this week. Mm. Um, Matt, going to kick us off. Yeah, it's it's a really clever concept, and no one's done anything like it recently. And it's uh, it's it works so well to pastiche so many elements of the genre that we love, and also mm. you know filmmaking in Hollywood, which is phenomenal. I think there's some really great performances. I think all of the main cast completely go for it, are totally on board. Coogan yeah. does a great job of selling it. Mm. Um, I think everyone's really well directed by Ben Stiller as well. I think yeah, that's the direction underrated. is good. It's the pacing's really good. Mm. Um, for, I know it's a comedy movie and they do tend to move quicker, but there's a lot. You know, it's it's well paced, well shot. It there's is. It is. I can pick it out. Nick Nolte does regard. a great job um, yeah. selling it as well. Um, His comedy chops are really up there. His mm. him and Danny McBride back and forth thing really good. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Um, but I mean, to conclude. More like Tropic Thunder. Hey, that's mm. good. Am I right? Yeah. What about you? I know you got some thoughts. Yeah, I, as I say, I love this film. Um, I've always liked it. Um, I, I've had it on DVD when I was like, when I was younger. I used to watch it quite a bit. Um, and yeah, I, I, the only thing about it, and it's not really a criticism. So I was talking about this earlier. I would wish, and that they had maybe kept the, kept you watching this fake war film just a little bit longer yeah so and, yeah. and i don't mean it in that i want to see more tropes because i think they've done it by that point but maybe if it had got if you'd seen just a little bit more of it so you were like okay what well, you know then the reveal might have been a little bit more of a mm-hmm. shock perhaps yeah yeah um but that's just because i like it so much i think because they did it so well it does it well yeah yeah um and i also think it's such an interesting movie that it comes out in a time where jack black's a, a career high with Kung Fu Panda. They're all arguably. Yeah, Danny Jr.'s come, just coming on Iron Man, which has totally revitalised his career. Um, it's such an interesting film where it captures these people. Like, I don't think Jack Black's been that great since. Danny McBride definitely hasn't. Um, at the time, he was doing Eastbound and Down, which is another great show, if you haven't seen that. 
Um, but he he made some bad movie choices and he's not hit the heights, unfortunately. Um, Jade Rusherell's done become a director and a, like a, a comedy actor. And Ben Stiller is still up there, but he's not doing as much, I don't think. No. Um, he's not as big as he was. And this might be the sort of last big movie, I think you're right, of their careers. Um, but then I also I also understand why people don't like it as well. So I, yeah. I think it is, it is a polarising movie. I think now, definitely now, people can't, maybe can't see past the, the discrimination part of it. It's because it is in there. You can't yeah. ignore the, the yeah. fact it's in there. I mean, we haven't date... talked a lot about the simple Jacksons. No, Jack we scenes. haven't. Um, they do date very badly. They do. And it loses its, even within the film and the amount of time he spends doing it, once you see the trailer of him do it in the film Simple Jack, you don't need to see it again. You don't need to see I him think. do it again. Mm. But he then recreates it because the, uh, I know it's a plot point because yeah. the Flaming Dragon um, gang want him to do it because it's the only DVD that they have, mm. which is funny. It's it, funny yes. that it's the only DVD yeah. they have. And it's, but it's but funny. I, I don't think it adds as much yeah. as it. It's, it's more it funny that, that Speedman gets to actually do it to an audience that appreciated it. And I, I understand yeah. that. And I know what they're going for totally. But, but there could have yeah. been a moment there where he realizes how absurd it is. Mm. That might have, and I know they mm. weren't going that. They were going into that. He's buying his own hype again type yeah. thing. But I thought re watching it, I was like, this is a perfect moment for the character to go. This is fucking absurd. Yeah. But then they sort of do that together with him and Osiris, Kirk Lazarus and Speed and having that whole um, I'm a dude playing a dude thing. So I kind of get it. But yeah, you're right. Something is off about those, those simple Jack scenes. They don't quite work. Even the joke of everyone who was up for an Oscar with Tug Speedman playing a character that is questionable. You've got Tom Hanks in the wheelchair You've got, uh, I think, another actor was, was playing some like a questionable character. That joke's lost by that point for me. Yeah, it's too far. It's too far gone. Yeah, it's too far gone. And it's a bit too um, forced, and it's only on I, screen. For like a, a I t- suppose the, the the famous scene and and the bit where Danny Junior tells him, you know, you never go full. Yes. Um, yeah. is is the crux of that? But that comes way before. Yeah. The the it, um, it kind of sets it up, but. The joke about the actors who did it not getting awards and not getting awards, it's funnier than mm-hmm. than, than the actual... The wo- scene of him doing it. Yes, yeah. The yeah. word doesn't need to be repeated a lot of times, I think. Yeah. But then I think, you know, that's us looking back. You know, in 2008, climate was a lot different. Mm-hmm. I know now we've taken leaps and bounds of how you tackle representation and disability in film. Um, away, away a lot, a lot more. They don't make those kind of crass comedies anymore, thank God. Um, and that maybe that film started that trend. Who knows? Maybe it started a conversation somewhere. Maybe it did. Maybe it didn't. <laughs> maybe that's not for us to say. Um, but getting back onto my final thoughts, it always makes me laugh. It's so quotable, and it's and it's in the genre. And there's not many of them. The, the parody war film. I can only think of 1941. Really, that does it. Yeah, there's not many there's... parody war movies other than like um, Hot Shots, which kind Hot of Shots, is. Yeah, is that what a lovely more... war a parody? Almost. Almost, yeah, kind Almost. of. Um, yeah. Mm. But no, Hot yeah, Shots, it's... you're right. It's in the vein of Hot Shots. Mm. Very much so. Um, and if you're a fan of Vietnam War movies, just watch that first scene because you, you'll you'll appreciate it for, for all it is. Um, and yeah, I think I think we'd give, would you give Tropic Thunder recommendation now? Yeah, I it, for the pastiche alone. Yeah, mm. I would. Mm. Um, it, it's a film about film, really. 
Yeah. And I think, and I think if you if you like both of those things, then I think you'll enjoy this movie. Um, so yeah, maybe we should talk about the rest of January. We yeah, we've got a couple out. of good things coming up. We um, we've got uh, the Wind and the Lion with Sean Connery coming up next week. Um, isn't this isn't this odd, Rob? We're prepared and we know what we're doing next week. This is this is new for twenty three. Let's see how long this lasts. I know. Um, right? Yeah, Matt dangled a John Millius film in front of me. I got excited mm-hmm. and thought it was Red Dawn. Then he sent me Wind and Lion. So we'll be, I'm interested to to find out about that one. It's it's great. That looks good. You'll the trailer looked good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Patreon pick is Ilmit by Moonlight with Dirk Bogard. So we've got a real classic. Uh, one of one of my month. Yeah, one of yours. Yeah. So that was 2008 Tropic Thunder. We hope a little bit of a lighter film to kick off the year. I mean, we'll definitely revisit the uh, the war movie uh, pastiche parody genre when we find them. When we do them, 1941 will definitely be something to do. Yeah, we almost did it, didn't we? This time, yeah, we did. It was there's a toss up between the two. Um, mm. We just thought we've not done an arm film for a while, so we thought, mm, give it a go. Uh, but yeah, so thanks for joining us yet again. As always, please share, uh, please review the show on whatever you listen to us on. You can find the entire back catalogue of the of the podcast at fightingonfilm.com, starting from episode one all the way up to well, 110, 106 now, whatever we're on, I can't remember. And we'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.